Lear uses the word wonder a lot, most often while marvelling at the natural world. He describes a wonderful sky, or birds in wondrous flight. And there's a moment in his artist's notebook where he records this feeling as lifting him out of gloominess. Life comes back with such light and scenery, he writes. The extreme quiet, the sense of freshness and freedom. Is it not wonderful to be alive? Far more to be able to feel and write. Lear's wonder feels a lot like Wordsworth's poetic sublime, in how it awakens the mind's attention and directs it towards the wonders of the world before us. And Lear records these experiences in the margins of his paintings, suggesting how he was a wanderer not only in the rambling sense, but a wanderer in the feelingful sense. In A Defense of Nonsense, G.K. Chesterton argues that the essence of nonsense is in wondering at the shapes of things and at their exuberant independence of our intellectual standards. To be weirdly shaped, then, is to be wonderfully different and indifferent in being different. There was a young lady whose nose was so long that it reached to her toes, so she hired an old lady whose conduct was steady to carry that wonderful nose. But in Lear, the word wonderful often suggests a different sense that could be hiding under our nose. As well as to marvel, to wonder also means to feel doubt or curiosity. And this young lady's nose is also doubtfully wonderful. Like the word wonderful itself, there's a great deal of extra weight attached to it, which might carry us in another direction. Lear often uses the word wonderful to hint at its ironic opposite. A wonder in Middle English could be an evil or shameful action or deed. And so he serves up the less tasteful sense of wonder behind wonder, while toying with the weighted meaning of the word Spartan here. There was an old person of Sparta who had 25 sons and one daughter. He fed them on snails and weighed them in scales, that wonderful person of Sparta. Chesterton writes that so long as we regard a tree as an obvious thing, naturally and reasonably created for a giraffe to eat, we cannot properly wonder at it. And Lear's nonsense trees also capture this unreason in the wonderful. This pleasing and amazing tree never grows above 463 feet in height. Not has any specimen hitherto produced above 40,000 silver forks at one time. If violently shaken, it is most probable that many forks would fall off, and in a high wind it is highly possible that all the forks would rattle dreadfully and produce a musical tinkling to the ears of the happy beholder. As the amazing fork tree produces nothing but a musical tinkling, the astonishing kite tree, in Lear's words, does not appear to be of any particular use to society either. Yet as we wonder about these trees' intentions, we begin to notice sinister things about them too. The fork tree's music is as dreadful as it is pleasing in a high wind. And if many of the forks are likely to fall off, then as its happy beholder, we might be struck by this tree in quite a different way. Lear's nonsense is always trying to step outside of the familiar and the trivial, as though encouraging us to view the world through a more wonderful lens. The dong, with his wondrous nose, seems to mirror this ongoing pursuit for a brighter eye view. But the German origin of wonder also means wound, and the wonderful dong's not-so-wonderful existence is a testament to the double-edged sword of wonder, as something which can wound us by its absence. Lear often uses his nonsense figures to wonder at himself. While roaming the hills, 
Uncle Ali wanders about his orb to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. There, on golden sunsets blazing, every evening found him gazing, singing, Orb, you're quite amazing, how I wonder what you are. Like the ancient Medes and Persians, always by his own exertions, he subsisted on those hills. So for three and forty winters, till his shoes were worn to splinters, all those hills he wandered o'er, sometimes silent, sometimes yelling, till he came to Borley Melling. James Longenbach points out that wonder is most commonly associated with youth. It thrives on ignorance, inexperience, firstness. And as the child falls in love with his star, Liz nonsense makes us fall in love with the world all over again. Yet there's something doubtful about the way this figure subsisted on those hills, as though feeding off their wonder for life. If what we subsist on is something which is always out of grasp, it can leave us, like Ali, by turns silently in love and yelling out for more. In Peter Swab's words, wondering at something involves wanting to know about it, but the last word will be doubt. Likewise, Wonder isn't as simple as it appears, precisely because of its tendency to disappear and leave us in the dark, wondering when it will return, and therefore whether wonder was such a wonderful thing after all.